podcast is out. The age of independence is here, where the next generation of high-performing agencies transform the agency landscape. I'm a mom, a businesswoman, and mega startup coach. This podcast is all about you, the agency owner, stepping into the new wave of opportunity, knocking out the competition in the modern market. This is the Age of Independence Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Agar. Welcome to the show. Hi, agents, and welcome back to the Age of Independence. I'm super excited about today's episode. And um, if you caught our highlights reel a couple episodes back, uh, we have a fun lineup. We've been talking about recruiting. And now we want to chat a little bit about leadership and personality traits, what that means for your communication within your agency. So I have some fun content for you today. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't had a chance to follow the show yet, make sure that you're um, subscribing to the YouTube channel for Agency Intelligence so that you can see the videos and get that notification every Monday when they come on. But um, super excited to have you with us. And to introduce our next guest, um, it's someone who's actually been on the show before. So we have a repeat visit today. Hi, Amanda. How are you? Hello. Hi. I'm a seasoned podcaster now. Hello. <laughs> I love it. And um, you guys are likely to hear from Amanda again in the future just because she and I work together so closely um, on the education team at Quantum. So thanks for joining us, Amanda. And I am super excited to chat all about leadership and the dispersonality types. And it's just, it's something that we love to nerd out on at Quantum is um, how our different personalities work, how to communicate with each other, all that good stuff. But before we get into all of the everything leadership, Amanda, I thought you should catch us up on a couple of fun facts about yourself, because some of our listeners may not have caught your earlier episode on training and onboarding. So, um, what's your favorite show to binge on Netflix right now? Awesome. Yes. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me back. I love doing this. And there's nothing I love more than talking about leadership except for myself. So I'm really excited to do this. <laughs> this is the perfect episode for you then. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, so my favorite show to binge watch on Netflix is usually The Office, but they removed it. And so now I have to watch it on the Peacock app, which is fine, but it's just not the same. It's not the same. And um, I love the Dwight quotes that we get in our text thread from time to time. Oh, yes. All the time. Any, is it GIF or GIF? I don't know, but no I think idea. it's GIF. Anytime I send I anybody GIF. anything, I communicate in GIFs now I, or GIF. We should, we should definitely ask Siri. <laughs> yes, that's a good idea. So um, any fun places you've traveled recently or have coming up? Yeah, so I went to Destin, Florida recently. Obviously, I live in Clearwater, Florida, so it's a little bit easier for me to travel to Destin, Florida, but it was so much fun. Um, we did like Crab Island, we rented boats, we got jet skis, we did a lot of outdoor activities and just got some sun. So that is my favorite thing to do ever, but um, I don't know where we're planning on going next. I kind of want to visit Colorado during the winter and try skiing, so we'll see if that happens. You're great. So that's at the top of my list. I love Colorado and um, I haven't been to Destin yet. So <laughs> you told me all about it and I can't wait to try it. So um, yes. when you travel to our hub in Allen to be with the team, what's your favorite kind of food to get when you're in Texas that you can't get near you in Florida? Okay, so I'm actually in Allen right now visiting the Allen office. I snuck away into an office, but um, today I had this amazing ramen. I don't, I think it was called like ramen something, uh, matata or katana Were you or something. Ramen hatata? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's the one. Oh, I feel so bad. I couldn't remember the name, but they were awesome. And it, it is so delicious. And everybody, literally kept walking over to me and they were like, can I have some of that edamame? And I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> it was really good. That's awesome. 
one of our favorite spots to visit. So catch us up to speed on what's going on with the Leadership Academy, because this was a really exciting announcement recently. I know you've been putting a lot of hours into it, and this is your one of your special um, passions when it comes to education. Yeah, absolutely. So I think something that is underprioritized in a lot of ways at a lot of companies is the development of frontline associates. And I think that a lot of companies put a lot into making sure that their leadership staff is well suited to be in leadership. But there's so many concepts around leadership that can benefit somebody in any role that you're in. Honestly, like there's no time that self-development isn't helpful for somebody. And so what we're doing right now is releasing bite-sized uh, pieces of leadership development. So maybe not a full like one-on-one -on -one mentorship session for everybody right now, but we're releasing a series of foundational leadership courses. And the first one is on the DISC personality trait. And the reason that I like to first introduce people to the DISC personality traits is because there's so much that we talk about in leadership um, from transformational leadership and really getting to know someone as an individual to changing behaviors and getting to know people one-on-one, -on -one, really developing that bond before you start coaching them and the different coaching styles that people want, like all of that is impacted by somebody's personality. And so if our team can get a really solid understanding of the personality traits and how to best use them to communicate effectively, like that's only going to make their jobs easier. You know, think about somebody on a sales call, for example, the person on the other end of that call also has a personality type. And so if we can understand the nuances of somebody's personality or the clues that people give us into their personalities, we're going to better be able to build a stronger, more effective relationship with that person. And that's really what we're trying to do here for our team is not just focus on, you know, the, the powers that be or those that are already in leadership, but really give everybody an opportunity to have some self-development. So I'm really excited about this series and we've gotten a lot of great feedback on it so far. So I'm glad that people are taking advantage of it. Love it. And if you're a quantum agent, the Leadership Academy courses are available to you as well. So make sure that you check your quantum university tab so that you can see all those great resources and the live workshops that Amanda's been doing have been getting Great feedback in the surveys, and um, they're really engaging. I know that you love to involve people and make it super hands-on. Um, we have a, uh, every month we hire a new class of team members at Quantum, and right now Amanda's in office in our Allen Hub training the group in person. So um, it's really an immersive experience, and she has them doing so many activities. And so when we talk about your personality type in a second, I think that will all come together um, that's how people learn is when they are able to um, chat together and really work on an idea together and talk about it and really get in there uh, as opposed to just relying on videos. So yeah, hundred percent. If somebody attends a training session with me, like the people who are attending our live sessions right now, when we do leadership training or our new hire class, they know, like I am going to ask them questions. I'm going to get them involved. And I'm at some point going to have them draw something or write on something because that haptic um, behavior that we're doing, that act of that movement and relating it to something helps us to retain information better. And so that's why I try to implement it in what we're doing now, especially with the leadership side of the house, because if you can start practicing talking about these skills, um, knowledge, and behaviors that you're learning, you're going to be able to implement it later on down the line. And that's really the end goal for any training is to implement what you're learning, that transfer of knowledge into a behavior, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That's the goal. And when it comes to implementing this new behavior surrounding personality types, we want our team to have the strongest emotional intelligence possible. Yes. IQ is important. There's only so much you can do about your IQ. Your emotional intelligence is malleable. It's something that can grow. And by investing in the team in this, they're going to be so much stronger. And being able to communicate with people who have different ideas or different ways of processing information or asking questions is definitely something that would help prepare them for leadership roles in the future. And yeah. our mission is to develop the future leaders of quantum. Yeah, absolutely. I think that what can happen sometimes is people can 
feel like they're stuck in one category or like I behave like this because of this reason. And what I think dispersonality traits helps people to realize is that although we may be hardwired to behave a certain way instinctually, there's a lot that we can do and practice to develop that behavior into something that we want it to be. So just because I might naturally, you know, not be the most organized person in the world, it doesn't mean that I can't develop that habit or that I can't build that skill up. And so, you know, that's really what we're trying to do with our courses is to help people take it from just being this concept to being something that they can use as tangible uh, resource for them to improve themselves and get better at communication. So for the, for those of us who might be listening and thinking, oh, you know, I don't do personality assessments. I don't want to label myself. I don't want to put somebody in a box. What I'm hearing from you is that that makes sense, but we can also approach it from like a growth perspective. It's, it doesn't have to be about a label or staying in a box permanently. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Like, I don't think we should categorize anybody into like one thing and that's all that this person is. And that's the beauty of a, a personality assessment like DISC because it doesn't just say like, okay, you're stuck like this. It says, here's when you're most likely to behave like this. Here's when you're most likely to behave like this. That way you can actually see something, you know, and that has some psychology behind it and say, oh, there's a reason why I'm doing this, but it doesn't mean I'm stuck in that one little box, or it doesn't mean that that's how I am all of the time. You know, my personality when I'm inside of work might be different than the personality that I normally operate out of when I'm outside of work. Um, I consider it more of less about telling me like who I am and more telling me like why I do the things that I do. And when you have that understanding, it's easier to change them. Like any behavior that you're working on changing, most people want to know why is something happening? You know, that root cause analysis, if you will, why is this happening? And once you know the why, it's easier to focus on an action plan that's really going to work for you. Yeah, absolutely. So by equipping our teams, we can help them to reflect and process so that they have different behaviors and see different outcomes. Uh, and so I want to break it down. So we're specifically talking about the DISC personality assessment today. There's other ones out there. So you might be a huge fan of the Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram, and those are great too. I love learning as much about personality types and communication styles as I can. Um, but the one that we've been using at Quantum is, is the DISC. And um, I for, for those of us who've never heard of the DISC before, who've never taken the assessment, Amanda, can you... Um, can you tell us a little bit about it? So there's four different types and someone might fall on a combination of those four. So they might have one letter or they might have two letters. Um, so we have D, I, S, and C. And I think it would be super helpful if you could just help us all remember what each one is. So can you give us like a one-liner way to remember like what is a D, who is an I, so that we can um, like try to keep it top of mind. Yes, absolutely. So you're right. There are those four main buckets that D-I-S-C and then within those buckets, there's archetypes and an archetype is basically just characteristics of this category. So if somebody is a um, true D, for example, then they are fully that D archetype. They are not you know, they don't have a ton of characteristics from the other categories, but an easy way for me to remember it is D is the director. I is the entertainer. S is the feeler and C is the thinker. That's the <laughs> easiest way that I always remember it. And, you know, I can give you a little bit more information on each of those, but that if, if you don't walk away with anything else, that's what you can walk away with because you know, most people who are directors, you know, it doesn't mean that they don't have feelings because they're not called the feeler, right? But that's not what primarily drives somebody is that is their emotional side, right? Whereas somebody who is a feeler, that is what primarily drives them. Even if they may be direct from time to time, that's it really what primarily drives you in that, in that sense. So that's kind of where I differentiate them. 
Love it. And something I heard, tell me if you like this one, is um, what language each of the four letters speaks. So a D speaks the language of control. So that doesn't mean something negative, but they're like the captain of their ship, right? So an I speaks the language of fun. And you might be thinking of some people you know right now where you're like, oh, they definitely speak the language of fun. It's just where they operate. Amanda's one of them. She is responsible for our TikTok videos on, on quantum TikTok and all that fun stuff. Um, S's speak the language of security and stability and harmony. And C's speak the language of logic and facts and data. So that can help you think where you might fall on the spectrum while we're chatting. And um, it helps me when um, I'm talking to an I, for example, I know I can tend to be a little long-winded or get into the weeds or be really detailed. So if I know they speak the language of fun, I might try to make it less boring and drawn out. (laughs) So No, that's a really good point. It's the language that somebody speaks and that's typically how they tend to communicate. And this is why DISC is a tool because not everybody prefers to communicate in the same way. And so the way I view it is as a leader, it's not our, you know, we we don't request people to meet us at our level. You know, for example, Caitlin, if you were D direct, I wouldn't expect you to communicate with me as casually as I might prefer. But instead, because I'm a leader, I'm going to say, let me meet Caitlin where she's at, right? And if you're a leader too, we're probably meeting somewhere in the middle at a really good, solid uh, compromise there. And that's why it's important that even in the, you know, on the front lines, we're developing these conversational skills, these communicational skills, communication skills, because we want people to be able to meet in the middle and have really effective conversations, And so DISC is sometimes not even necessarily about what you prefer. It's really about what other people prefer and learning how you can best accommodate those needs in somebody else or meet them at their level. So one of the things you included in the live workshop was the platinum rule. So like learning how to treat others the way they want to be treated. And one of the first places we can start is with our communication. So let's see, which which type do you want to talk about first? Uh, let's talk about D. We'll just start right. at the beginning, let's, shall we? Let's do it. So the, you you called it not the captain or the pilot. What was the word? Driver. The director. The director. Yeah. So, you know, when I say director, I'm this isn't referring to a position of any sort, but this is the person who they want to take control, right? That's what is important to them is feeling like they have some sense of control over what's going on. And so you're probably, your mind's already wondering like, oh, if I'm having a conversation with somebody, if they value control, especially if it's a coaching conversation and they're getting constructive criticism, they may feel like they're losing that sense of control. And that's why sometimes conversations can go off um, off wire or whatever. Um, and, And that's why these it's so important to have a good understanding of these different personality types. Now, people are complex. Humans are complex individuals. We all operate out of different archetypes at any given time, but generally we prefer one way over another. So a director generally stays in the director mode the majority of the time. This is the person who's, you know, making a to-do list. You could probably think of somebody who doesn't go to the grocery store without that list in hand or somebody who has a to-do list and they write something on it just to cross it off, right? Like I've already done that, but it wasn't on my list. Let me write it on my list and cross it off. Like that's how (laughs) in control they want to be. You're like, yeah, maybe that sounds familiar. Um, And that is the person who maybe they're a little bit more organized than some folks, because again, they want to have that sense of control. Um, when they're in a relationship or not a relationship, but in a conversation with somebody, they might seem to overtake the conversation a little bit again, back to control. Right. And so that's where they might be perceived as being bossy or being too direct or blunt. And those, I want to say that there are no bad archetypes on disc. There's no bad letter on the disc wheel, right? There are pros and cons to every personality type. There are strengths and weaknesses in every personality type. And so a strength for the D is that they're able to be very on top 
of what they have going on in their life. Like if they have a lot on their plate, they're able to compartmentalize and organize those things appropriately. They take on leadership positions more readily than some folks. They're able to have command of a room a little bit more easily than some folks. Um, they help to get things organized if there's chaos around them, right? They provide structure. But some areas of opportunity for a D might be some, something along the lines of like relationship building before jumping in and coaching, right? It may be that, you know, somebody is, is leading with their emotions and that might make them a little bit uncomfortable or they might feel like it's not necessary for this conversation to, to have your emotions involved. And so that's something that they might need to work on building. So again, strengths and weaknesses in every category, but uh, I think that there's a lot of pros for somebody who can adopt a D personality type, especially if you're in a position of leadership, because there's so many benefits to this personality type. I myself have had to work on this. And one of, you did a really cool course for our students at Quantum on like client communication types. So mm -hmm. agents, if you think about just like the, the stereotypical customer service personality, the nurturer, the person who's patient, who wants to love on clients, that person in your office might get really caught off guard if the client on the other end of the phone is a D who has had an issue with their insurance policy. And so- one of the things you shared in that course that was just a light bulb moment for me was you mentioned that D's can be short, they can be blunt, they can have high expectations because they take on a lot of responsibility. So they expect others to take on a lot of responsibility. So if our account reps or our customer service agents are dealing with a, a, a service issue with this person, they need to have their ducks in a row before they call the person. If they give a half answer, they're going to be met with frustration, something short, something blunt, something like, hey, go get your ducks in a row before you call me back again. And our amazing reps are going to feel flustered and they're going to feel like nervous about calling this client back. And it can be a really negative interaction for them. So I just love that this course is just helping prepare us for situations like that, because then we can say, hey, you know what? If we're going to explain this billing situation to this client, we have to make sure we thought through everything. We understand exactly what happened. You have your notes and you know how you're going to go. In. Yes. So, yes, no two people are alike, just like no two customers are alike, you know? And so what we have to realize is that while there's a formula that might generally work for a lot of our conversations, there's always going to be something that we have to adjust depending on the customer that we have, right? So for example, if we have a D personality type come on our line, they're probably going to sound very self-assured, straight to the point. They're not making a ton of jokes with us like some of our customers do. And they don't want a lot of fluff on that call. You know, they're the person who really wants to know what you're doing, when you're doing it, how you're doing it, why you're doing it. And then boom, <laughs> It's done, right? And for some of our agents, this is exactly how they like to operate, right? They want to be, boom, straightforward to the point. But some of our customers might need a little bit more, you know, like when we're when we move into talking about the eye, that's a customer who might want a little bit more fluff as opposed to the, you know, straightforward and to the point conversation, right? So let's talk about the eye because I am so jealous. I wish I had a little bit more eye. <laughs> Me because eyes have so much fun and they just you know light up the room they're casual fun to hang out with great ideas they love like oh my gosh I'm giving way too much away so you tell us um you all about eyes <laughs> so eyes are near and dear to my heart why because this is my primary category this is where I typically tend to operate is out of this eye bucket um Eyes tend to be the person who, the life of the party, like that's what I consider this person. And maybe I'm a little bit biased now, <laughs> um, but they are boisterous. Usually they're outspoken. These are more of your extroverted individuals um, because they're, so if, if we were to say that D's were strength or control oriented, eyes are entertainment oriented. They want to keep things light. Um, you know, 
a strength of an eye is going to be that energy that they can bring. Um, they're going to be the person that can carry on a conversation with you, regardless of what the topic is. They're the ones, if you're on the phone, for example, with a customer, this is the person that's going to make a couple of jokes with you. They're going to laugh at your lottery jokes that you make. Like that's inevitable <laughs> on any call, right? They're going to want to engage with you. And that's really a benefit of having an eye. It makes for a really great coach because they prioritize getting to know people and making sure that that other person is, you know, in a good place and feeling positive, you know, some areas of opportunity for an eye, they may not be the most, um, structured or organized because they're so social, they may struggle with time management. You know, for my, for example, myself, when I'm out on the floor and I'm talking to people, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, if I didn't set timers for everything, <laughs> I would be late to everything. Like I have to know, oh, I'm about to have a class start. I got to run. Um, but, you know, talking about areas of opportunity, that's why this is so beneficial because if you were to say, you know, this is how I am, this is why I am and give into it then you have no room for growth, right? That's a pretty fixed mindset. But if I have a growth mindset, I'm saying, yes, there are areas of opportunity for me to improve because I know that now I can put a specific action plan in place. So for an I, because I know that I struggle with time management from time to time, I can put an action plan in place like setting alarms or setting timers or even timing out my coaching conversations so they don't run over because that is very likely to happen with an I, right? This is the person who really thrives off of positive reinforcement, uh, which can be great, right? We want this person to continue to succeed, but they may not do as well when getting constructive criticism. So if they know that about themselves, it gives them an opportunity to build that skill up. Hey, loyal listeners, when you hear me say CAS certified, that means that we use them in our agency. Are you a local insurance agent looking to take your business to the next level? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS, aka Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. But like in today's world, we use these initials like it's cool because it is. It's hip. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they offer the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing market. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and the guidance you need to see your agency succeed. Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't you survive in the competitive insurance industry? Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions today. Get started today and learn more at mbsbrokerage.com. That's where you learn more, mbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. So, what are some things that would be really draining for an eye that happen in an insurance agency often? So, for example, re repetition, right? That can be pretty draining for an eye because we're looking for things to be different. We're looking to do fun activities. We're looking to switch up our routine. And if, especially if you are calling leads all day, you know, you're getting a, a lot of that same initial conversation going and then things change. That can be that can be a draining behavior. Meetings, emails, sticking to a schedule, that lack of spontaneity can feel draining for an eye. But it doesn't mean that they can't be really, really good at it, right? Just because something is draining for you or um, we say draining because we're talking about energy here. Energy is either being drained or it's driving uh, it's a driving force for you. And so if you're being drained by certain activities, it doesn't mean that you can't be good at them. It just means that you might need to take a little bit more frequent breaks from doing this, or you might need to implement something into this activity that makes it a little bit more exciting for you. Um, for example, when I do my emails, like I color code them and it's something as simple as that, that gives me something that I can have my hands on and do something different with it but I'm still getting my task done, which is reviewing my emails. Now they just have color coded. Like these are the urgent ones. These are the ones I'm getting to next week. These are the ones that I have to, you know, spend a little bit more time on. So everybody kind of is able to find a system that works for them. 
which is super important. Like there's going to be behaviors that drain every single personality type. Whereas I might be drained by needing to, you know, schedule out time in my day, a D might thrive off of that and feel like really in control of their day at that point. Um, And that's a driving behavior for them. And so when we know these things about our associates, it also helps us with how we coach them. Um, For example, if I know something drains Caitlin, for example, if, if you're my associate, then I may not ask you to be the person to do that. Maybe I ask one of your peers who that's a driving behavior for. Uh, we know research has shown us that when people are asked to do driving behaviors, more than draining behaviors, they're actually more productive. So of course, there's going to be those draining behaviors that we have to do from time to time. But if we can get our strong folks in one category to focus on that one thing, we're going to see better production from them. So is it common to find an I in a sales role or someone who might be an ID or a DI? hundred um, percent. Absolutely. Because our sales folks tend to be those more extroverted individuals that aren't afraid of uh, a difficult conversation. They're not really afraid of conflict. They'll approach situations head on, but they also really thrive off of D's and I's. They both really are results oriented. They want to see the big picture and they're very competitive. And we know our sales folks have that healthy competition that keeps them going. (laughs) Absolutely. Which one of the next types we're going to talk about might not love as much. So let's talk about our S's and like the harmony that they bring to the world. Yes, we love an S as they love us. Um, An S personality type is the feeler, right? This is the person who's driven more so by emotion than anything else. Um, They're relationship oriented. This is the customer that wants to talk to you about their life story. They want you to know what's going on with them. And they want you to spend a little bit more time getting to know them before you are trying to sell them something, right? That's going to be an immediate turnoff for somebody who's relationship oriented. And that's important to know because remember when we talk about D, they want that straightforward to the point. So this is how we know that personality types can impact our ability to sell to a certain customer type as well. So with our S's, they're really, really great at making sure that the team is in a good place together. They want to make decisions that'll benefit the team as opposed to just themselves individually. They help to keep the peace. Um, that's one of their, one of the archetypes is, is the peacemaker, the harmonizer. That's the person who can help resolve conflict between others on your team because they act sort of as a mediator. Um, and, and some of their areas of opportunity are that while they're great at helping others with conflict because they're great advice givers, they don't like to approach conflict for themselves directly. So, and, and it's really not so much that they don't like it, it's that they don't feel equipped to handle it because it's not what drives them. Um, they, they don't want to have that uh, straightforward conversation that a D might want to have. And so they tend to avoid conflict. They tend to avoid difficult conversations. If you have a salesperson who is not asking for the sale, they might have some S qualities in there because that tends to be a very direct question that some folks are not comfortable asking. But that's a skill that can be built. Um, if we can make an S feel confident in their skill, they're going to be able to perform it. Right. And so that brings me to my next point, which is really all about the language that these folks are using. So in S, you know, they're the person that when you ask them a question, they say, I feel like this isn't fair, or I feel like that is wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas a director might say, that's wrong. Or an I might say, mm, what are we talking about? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an I, so I can say that. <laughs> no, but they're, they're an I is going to be a little bit more comfortable approaching a direct conversation like that anyways than an S might be. Um, but your S is going to be more feelings based as opposed to anything else. You know, it might logically make sense, but emotionally, is it, does it make sense for me to do that? That's what they're thinking about. And so think about like a relationship with a partner, for example. Um, you know, if you have a very logic oriented person, which we're going to talk about in a moment, I'm sure if we have a very logic oriented person who's a C with 
a very feelings and emotion oriented person who's an S, you can imagine how there might be some uh, friction when they have communication and that can cause additional conflict that's only going to be avoided by the S a little bit further, <laughs> right? And so, you know, not only does DISC help with understanding ourselves, understanding all our partners and our associates, but it really does help to learn how we should approach conflict with different individuals. So what I'm hearing is that if you have an agency full of reps and you need the lunch break scheduled, if you ask an S to do it, they're going to walk around and ask every single person when they want to go to lunch. That's right. <laughs> and you're, you're going to say, okay, John, you're going at this time. <laughs> Kelly, you're going at this time. Amanda, you're going at this time. <laughs> so how would an S feel if their agent told them like, hey, this month, we're going to ask every single client if they have cyber liability coverage so that we can cross-sell it. And you have a cross-selling goal and you need to ask every single customer about cyber liability policies. How would that make an S feel? So that's a really good question because it's a change, right? It's a change from outside of our normal expectations. And change for an S is uncomfortable. One of the things that they value the most is a sense of security and change disrupts security, regardless of the change. It could be something small, like adding an additional question into your sales process, or it can be something big, like we're moving offices, you know, but either way, change is going to make them feel disrupted. Um, and it's going to cause some internal conflict for that person. And because an S is generally trying to avoid difficult conversations, they may not bring it to their coach's attention. And so it's really important that as a coach, we're able to identify those things when they're happening so that we can ask them questions. You know, how, how do you feel about doing this? How do you feel, right? That question helps them to be able to state how they feel without approaching it like it's a difficult conversation. You know, I'm a little concerned about doing that because not every customer is going to need that coverage. Um, and then we get to ask them, you know, well, what are the benefits of this coverage for our customer? And when we can get them to see that, they're going to be more bought into it and they're going to feel less friction about that change. They're going to feel more positive because it's a positive impact on their client that they really genuinely care about. And we love that. We love an S who cares about their customers because we know that they are doing what they're doing for their clients for the absolute right reasons. And so if they don't want to do something, it's because of that. Like sometimes I think as leaders, we tend to assume the worst in some people and we always, you know, initially might jump to like bad intentions, but most people have come to work and genuinely want to do a good job. Yes. There's usually a reason beneath the surface that they're not executing something that we know that they could do really effectively. So you mentioned that when we're talking to an S, we would say, how do you feel about that? And I feel like you've given me that information in the past and that I may have forgotten it because I haven't thought of the next letter in me. <laughs> so um, the next one is C and C's are our analyzers. They love data. They are very highly logical thinkers. And I have a lot of C in me as well as D. I'm a DC, um, the disc type assessment that we use calls that an architect. So I love like putting all the pieces of the puzzle together to, to build something new and move it forward. Um, but it doesn't always include some of those like fun moments that you mentioned from the I or those like harmonizing elements that you mentioned from the S. So let's talk a little bit about C. So yeah, let's Definitely do that. Um, but I want to touch on one thing that you said. You, you mentioned like you tend to be more of this, this type of thing, right? DC. And you don't always have some of those components of I or S. And I think that's why, you know, you've done a great job making sure that your team is diverse in our personality types, right? Because personality types really do complement each other. So where I don't have quite enough I think C or D, that is where I think we can balance each other out in that sense. And we can also learn and grow from each other, which is always, you know, a positive thing. And a lot of the C that I wish I had in me is more of that logical reasoning. Um, really, you know, if we think 
the the feelers are relationship oriented our thinkers or our c they're logic oriented like you mentioned earlier they speak the language of logic and reason they want to know the why behind everything they care less about um what we're doing and the impact it's going to have and more why are we doing it you know why does this matter what's in it for me and what's in it for our organization and what is going to be um, the outcome of me doing this essentially is it going to be the same if I didn't do it because if that's the case then I'm not doing it right a C will execute all day long what they should be executing as long as it makes sense to them and so for an I you know, anything directly across from that personality type on the disc wheel tends to have the most conflict there. So as an I, I may have the most conflict with a C because they're directly across from me. We're, we're very opposite in terms of how we operate. And that may be because where a C likes to have a lot of detail and a lot of background information, an I is like, just give me the bare minimum. Give me the minimalist outline. <laughs> I want to have freedom. I'll figure it out for myself. And a C wants to know exactly what they should be doing, when they should be doing it, why they should be doing it, how they, how you want this to be done um, <laughs> in order for them to feel comfortable and confident doing it. So just to give you some positive feedback, you and Jen, our education coordinator, have sent me the best recaps this week through training in high level detail. <laughs> including charts and reports and percentages. And I love it so much. So <laughs> oh, it's a struggle. <laughs> no, so Well, I owe you some time in it. I'll take it. Um, that's why, that's why I implement things like that in my day to day personally, because I know that I need to grow in those areas. And so the more I do them, the more comfortable I get with them. Um, but for me, like, because I'm so distracted by people, like you'll notice they're coming in after hours, those reports, because if I try to do that while there's still people here trying to talk to me, I'm going to talk to those people instead. I'm going to be interacting out there. And there are times when that stuff needs to get done. You know, our first week of training is super important. And I want to be able to share those reports with you. Like, I want to be able to talk about the details of what we have going on. And so that's an action item that I gave myself this week that I was like, no matter what happens, we're getting these reports done. Um, and so for me, I've made it an energy driving behavior for myself because it's a challenge now. And I love a challenge. I love competition to see, you know, less so. Right. And so some of the things that they might be really, really good at, like reports and numbers and analysis and details, they may struggle more on the relationship side of the house that S's really thrive at, right? They may not be able to sit down and have a conversation if that person's getting emotional. It may make them feel uncomfortable. They may step away from it. Um, they may not be able to break things down simply enough for somebody who's an I on their team or an S on their team. And by simple, I don't mean like they're not as intelligent or anything. I mean, easy to follow along steps to keep somebody whose attention span may not be as as in depth as theirs on track, right? Something that really gives them something tangible to do step by step by step that gives them the opportunity to see results. A C is perfectly okay with executing quite a few items before they see a result because they know what's actually going to be coming from it. But an I might need more of that like immediate gratification. And so you're going to notice that there are commonalities between I's and D's and I's and S's. And you're going to notice that there's commonalities between C's and D's and C's and S's are also like, it's a rare but special category of people when you have a C who is an S. And this is a person who's a little bit more introverted, but they really value the relationships that they do have. They're highly analytical, but they also care very deeply for others. Um, and there's always going to be a dominant trait, right? And that dominant trait is what's going to drive the majority of your personality. But if you can have more of an even scale and you can build those skills across your results, you're going to be able to communicate more effectively with others. And so that's the end goal for me is to kind of balance out all of my different uh, personality traits to make it so that I'm more of a chameleon. Chameleon? <laughs> what I'm talking to people. <laughs> How do you say chameleon? Now I'm questioning everything. <laughs> 
I, I think you hit the nail on the head. And when you hire a new person onto your team, if they start asking you a bunch of questions, then maybe you feel like maybe they it's like, oh, well, where's that question coming from? They might be a C. <laughs> Cs love to ask questions to seek to understand. And I think sometimes um, that could catch an I off guard or even a D off guard um, because it could come across as like, oh, they're not bought in or they're not all in or they're not totally engaged or, you know, they're not like what's going on here. Um, because some of the other types might not be as vocal when they're not totally bought in. They might just kind of keep it to themselves and not bring it right out at the moment. And yeah. so we can expect some like questions from a C. And um, it could be that they're just, they're trying to get more data. They yeah. Understand that big why. And so yeah. the process a little more skeptical sometimes. Um, but like you mentioned, that intention is probably a good one. Yeah, like from a sales standpoint, if you're on the phone with a customer and they're asking you a lot of questions about their policy or they want to know in detail about their contract, that's something that some agents, especially if they're more of that eye, which we said we have a lot of in sales, they might feel like, oh, this customer is being a little bit difficult or like this customer has so many questions. Like, when is this questioning line going to end? It's like an interrogation. <laughs> but that's what we have to be prepared for. You know, if especially if we we identify that early on in our conversation, maybe we want to take a little bit of time to get our ducks in a row, make sure we understand everything that we're going to talk about with this customer and have the why behind all of these things when we're when we're going to plan our pitch or have our conversation with them because we want them to know like we're able to adjust our strategy based on their needs. Um, and that's really what makes an effective salesperson is are you able to meet the needs of your client specifically? And a part of meeting somebody's needs is not just getting them what they want, but communicating with them in the way that they want to be communicated with. Love it. So can you leave us with an action step? What's something we can do to start yeah being great communicators in the office or in our lives at home? Yeah. My first recommendation is if you're able to take a disc assessment, take a disc assessment. If not, you know, like listening to this episode even about these different characteristics, you know which one you're identifying with most. Like you'll feel it. Um, you'll understand it. You'll be able to say, yep, that's me. Here's why. Um, and you will know which one feels more like yourself. Okay. So think about the version of that, that is the complete opposite and ask yourself, what's one thing I can do different to better connect with somebody on that's in that personality type. So for example, if you happen to be the C personality type, that's very logical, very reason oriented. What's one thing you can do to better communicate with somebody who's a little bit more frivolous in their communication, a little bit less concerned about the why, and they really want to focus more on that positive energy, having a good, you know, fun conversation. What's one thing differently that you can do, even if it's something as simple as like when this team member comes in, I'm going to say, hey, how was your weekend? You know, what are your plans this weekend that might otherwise be out of the norm for you, right? It can be something that small and it can be something as big as saying, you know, Maybe I'm an S. I am going to volunteer for the next leadership position that comes up for me to take on on a team activity or a team event. Like I'm going to be the person that stands up first and says, I'm going to do that. Right. It's one yeah, thing. That's that's different. You can do it. <laughs> yes. So who's your favorite character on The Office? Oh, gosh. Obviously, it's Kelly Kapoor. And what type is she? <laughs> She is an I all day, and I love that about her. Like anybody who's an office fan, I will talk their disc personality types. Like I talk about them in my classes that I do with my teams because it, they're just fun. It's just fun for me. And they're also dramatizations. Like their characters are exaggerated. So it's an easy way to see like, yep, that's what an I looks like in the workplace. And I love having eyes in training roles because you make it so fun. So tell us about the pig activity that you guys did yesterday. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so thought of it. <laughs> um, I honestly, I don't know who developed it. I'll have to find this out. I didn't. I know that it's an activity that I did like years ago 
in some random session that I was in in school. Um, but basically there's two instructions. The first is don't uh, consult your peers or look on their papers. And the second is to draw a pig. And that is it. That's the only instruction you give people. And you're going to find that people draw their pigs in a, every different way, like literally the animal, a pig. And afterwards, there's a, a little set of instructions and it, it goes over like, if your pig is forward facing, you tend to be more this. I don't want to give it away because I want you guys to do it. But it'll be like, if your pig is facing to the right, you tend to be more like this. And I love anything that talks personality, like, because some, like, it's like, um, sometimes it's like horoscopes, like sometimes it's so dead on. And sometimes people are like, that's not me. But then I just want to be like, yes, it is. You just don't want to see it. <laughs> I love that our in the class has like really detailed little piglets with whiskers. And I know, they literally draw like hair on them. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a fun activity. Yes. So I love uh, having eyes around in the office because you guys bring party. So um, thanks for joining us, Amanda, and um, for catching us up to speed on what we can learn about the discourse and for all the work you put into the Quantum Leadership Academy. And it's been great to have you back on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I genuinely love talking about all things leadership. So you know, every single course that we have um, available, we talk DISC and how it relates directly to it. Um, sometimes it's symmetry. It's like very symmetrical to DISC. For example, coachability, there's different quadrants of coachability. And sometimes it's the complete opposite. So it's really interesting to see how DISC impacts every other part of essentially leadership, which is basically communication. So yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Everything works together. So thanks, Amanda and agents. Thanks for tuning into the Age of Independence. I hope you loved this episode and that it gave you some fresh ideas. Talk to you next time. Thank you.